Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of The Law and Finance Show, and today we're interviewing a great guest with a tech business. And this is a very exciting one because one of the challenges that happens in the legal industry is, you know, sometimes people need to find the right lawyer or a lawyer that can meet their need. But most people, they have no idea where to look. And also, lawyers are always looking for clients that they can actually help and solve problems. And sometimes there's not a clear way for that to happen as well. So I'm excited to talk about this business owner because he's coming up with a tech solution and they're seeing 100% month over month growth because people are finding their tool to be very, very useful. So you want to stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Zeb. How are you? Hey, Terrell. Great, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a pleasure to have you on. Now, you know, I'm very excited to talk about, you know, your business and we'll definitely get into that because I think this is definitely a huge question for both consumers and service providers as well. And we'll definitely dive into that. But before we dive into that piece of it, tell us a little bit about kind of your background. Yeah, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, Zeb Anderson, lifelong coder, developer, you know, nerd, uh, wear that badge proudly, you know, was the, the <laughs> D&D kid back in the day. I uh, uh, had a startup in around 09. Uh, it was a coupon app that basically sent you a coupon based on your location. This was like two years after the iPhone came out. So everybody was like, <laughs> why would I give you my location data? That's so creepy. You know, today it's like, <laughs> here's my social, my firstborn kid, whatever, right? So, <laughs> little early on that one. Uh, we had a small exit. And uh, yeah, after that, I went to law school. Uh, it's my passion in life to kind of use conflict resolution plus technology together in a, in a fun way that to be honest, uh, legal sucks at this today. So, you know, excited to kind of <laughs> push that forward a little bit. And, uh, and to be honest, people like you bring the, uh, bring the heat on that to, to the legal world, right? I think that's this technology and finance and how it all relates together in a, a more cohesive way for, for the legal industry as a whole is, is, is a beautiful thing. So I commend you for that. Um, honestly, uh, after that, wanted to see what a startup looked like a little bit down the road. So, and student loans, if I'm honest, again. Uh, so <laughs> went to uh, work at Medtronic, which is a big health tech company. Uh, started in internal audit, or started in compliance, rather. Uh, did internal audit. And then my final role was uh, leading the analytics practice for corporate strategy and channel management. And that's a long way of saying we were trying to go more direct in emerging markets. So basically from us gotcha. to the hospital, as opposed to us through a couple of distributors, they add, you know, 10,000% markup and then to the hospital, right? And gotcha. during that time started thinking, you know, what are the industries kind of have that middleman problem and legal is definitely one of them, right? So it's, you know, us to, uh, uh, you know, at, be at the mercy of a Google search and then maybe, you know, three or four that you find 
you set up a call for next week. You don't know if you have to get charged or not for that call. It's it's a terrible process. So about two and a half years ago, came up with LegalQ to kind of start solving for that. Uh, had an awesome team of, of uh, co-founders help the process along the way. And then I uh, was doing kind of the nights and weekends shift with Medtronic plus uh, LegalQ. <laughs> and then uh, last summer, we got into the Techstars Accelerator. And then from there, was able to jump ship and do it full time. And yeah, uh, to your intro point, we've been growing uh, pretty steadily since and excited to uh, to keep moving with it. Nice, nice. You know, it's quite the interesting journey. And, you know, when you mentioned about, you know, having the background of a, a coder and then going to law school, what was, you know, that like, was it, was it an experience where you're in an environment where you had to think completely different from the world of coding or was it very similar for you? It's a good question. Um, well, so to start off, I was a political science history major undergrad because, to be honest, I was scared of Calc 52 or whatever you had to take for your CS degree. Like, that just does not appeal to me. And, you know, I already knew a couple of languages to code in anyway, so I figured that could just get by with it. So, you know, the kind of the social sciences aspect of the law I, I felt comfortable with, but there's a lot of pieces that were drastically different than kind of what I was expecting. And the Socratic method and just, you know, the profs pointing at you and like, you have to be on, get an answer. Like I'm terrible at that. So it was, <laughs> it was a process. Um, but then there's some interesting aspects of law that's kind of similar to coding, right? So you have like a contract where it's like, I want this to be the end product, right? We want a relationship between this business and this property development. And here are the things that are important to us. And in order to do that, you basically kind of build with the the different uh, clauses and, you know, aspects of the contract that over time is kind of the culmination of whatever that that relationship is. And in some ways, coding is similar, right? Like you take a chunk of code to do your login screen or your security or your two-factor authentication. And it's just over time, these little chunks of, of things that culminate to the the overall product of what you're building. So that was kind of fun to see the corollaries between, you know, some of the aspects of law and code, but in other ways, it was vastly different. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. So now as you kind of took that first job, you know, um, you know, at what point in that kind of job did you really, or what triggered you to say, Hey, you know what? I kind of want to see the startup world. Yeah. Uh, that's another good question. I think, it's always kind of just been, been a part of me. Um, my dad had a, a failed <laughs> tree farm business back in the day. He, he's a mailman. Like I grew up pretty poor, but, you know, he gave it a shot and, you know, saw it to, to that end that he could. And, you know, just, I guess, seeing the, the, the struggle, but also just the, you know, I don't know what it is. Almost like a, rebellious way of like looking at it. Like I don't have to work for, you know, the man and, and do this one role, you know, my entire career, I can make my own destiny with what I want to do with this. And I, I think just seeing the, you know, 90,000 person company and to be honest, the culture of Medtronic is great. Like I don't have a lot to say bad about it, but it's just, you're a, a you know, a cog in the in, or wheel or whatever, however that works. And, you know, it, it just, 
you can have so much you know leverage to do to do well and even if you have the best idea in the world you know you can only move the needle so much whereas in a startup literally every single day you know for better or worse like you're moving that needle right every email is important every customer interaction is important every um you know product uh you know piece that you add is is vital to the growth of that company and so i think just the scale of what you can do uh sooner is it's kind of like a, a cheat code right it's like video game cheat where you can like level up <laughs> instantly through through this hack called a startup and uh that's kind of what got me into it nice nice so now as you kind of traveled that journey i mean you know you talked about the the tech star you know how did that really or hyper drive what you were working on like you know what was it about that experience that really helped you kind of take things up a few notches oh man it's it it levels you up so fast speaking of leveling up like you you just you, you have a company right and you have an idea and you have maybe some founders that you think you know can help you on that journey and then you kind of just start with doing the things right and a lot of times that's very tactical, right? Like we have to put out this fire. We have to, you know, put out this problem with the code or like this customer is yelling at us for this thing. And it's it's hard to see the forest through the trees with that, right? It's hard to think strategically when every day is like, I got to get through these 20 emails first and then think strategically, right? Like that's that sucks. <laughs> and so uh, Techstars does an awesome job of just refocusing you on what's important right and they do that through data so an example is there was a weekly uh okr kpi call where you literally put out you know here's our goals for the week with numbers on them and here's why they're important and at the end of the week like you get together in your cohort and there was 10 companies total in, in our cohort and by the way all super supportive loved each other like you know truly there was no animosity like between us and, but you still had to bring your A game, right? Because it's like, here's where we failed, here's where we did well. And, you know, you, uh, you just kind of show all your cards out there and it, it just levels you up so much faster than you would otherwise do so. If you're just kind of going through the motions of, let's try this thing this week, you know, this, put out these fires. And I think with that, plus the network that you get from it is, um, is uh, worth its weight in gold. Nice, nice. Now, you know, when you went into the Techstar program, like how how far along were you kind of in your, um, you know, your your kind of your tech stack or your your tech journey as far as where was the product in its life cycle? Yeah, uh, another good question. So, by the way, my kiddos are at home today, so if you hear some uh, <laughs> in the background, that's uh, what you hear. <laughs> Um, I try to pacify with some Google or some Google, some Disney plus, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, we were pretty far along in the product. So we were about a year and a half into it, I would say at that point. And so we had, uh, some assumptions baked into the product. They were wrong. A lot of them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and we had to redo a decent amount of them, but, um, it still was in the market. And, and, and that's one thing I took from that time is. You know, even if you, uh, and this is a do as I say, not as I do kind of moment, but uh, take your product and get it into market, get it something out there quickly. 
even charge people quickly because until you know that like people are willing to pay for it and are willing to to utilize it effectively you're just not going to get the data to accurately give you um, those next steps in the product journey and i think you can fake some of it with like uh, design thinking sessions um we had a uh probably 30 to 40 design thinking sessions at the beginning of the project right just to kind of get uh, a baseline for what people want in there but until you get it out there and in the market and see that this product feature that we spent a week on developing is used by like two percent of the people and in reality <laughs> they just want to do the core thing right it's just you you learn so much so quickly and uh you're able to to kind of get that product uh in the better place much quicker gotcha you know one of the interesting things about that that i find in talking to you know any type of business owner and especially in, you know, when it comes down to tech is just, you know, how did you overcome kind of like that ego aspect of, Hey, we just spent the week working on this and only 2% oh, used please. it. Yeah. 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 It's, it sucks. There's not a good answer for that. Uh, because I mean, my ego is, is basically shot at this point for how many mistakes I made in that product, man. Um, <laughs> It's, it is very humbling, truly. Like you, you have to, you have to just say like, I, I have assumptions, right? I have my baseline for what I think would work. And we have based on some data, right? Those design thinking sessions. But then after that, it's just, you know, it, the market will choose the winners, right? The market will choose what's the best way to do things. And you, you, you can't, you can't be against market forces, you know, it's in the, I'm, you're never going to be smarter than the market. And unless you're Steve jobs, who's, you know, basically says like, this is what you want, right? Like <laughs> one dude in 8 billion people, right? That's, that's not a thing that mere mortals can do. And um, yeah, I think it's just, you, you just take your lumps along the way, learn to be flexible with it, own your mistakes, right? If, if you were the reason behind a product, hypothetically, you know, charging the wrong side of the, uh, the marketplace, which I did, you know, you got to own that and say like, Hey, this is, this is on me. I know we've spent this much resource, these many resources on this, but it's for the better of the company and the product to go in this direction. And so I think mm -hmm. as long as you have that transparency with your team and, and just own the, the mistakes you have, then a, it, it opens up the door for vulnerability for the rest of the team so they can say, hey, I messed up on this thing too. Let's reroute to this way. And B, it's just, you're just, you know, not this heavy handed, like it has to be right immediately. And then everybody's afraid to make a mistake, right? So those are the two kind of learnings I've taken from that part. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now as you kind of like, you know, grown and develop, because one of the other interesting things is, is I always like to, to think about like comparing when you started off, the problem that you were focused on solving versus now. So when you started off, what was kind of the problem that you were trying to solve for your prospective clients? Yeah, uh, totally, totally true. Um, so we actually went to market with the assumption that people would want to pay for an on-demand consultation with an attorney, right? Like, hey, you literally can ask them any question in the world. 15 minutes, 39 bucks, 30 minutes, 59 bucks. And then there that's your lawyer that you can talk with about whatever for that time, right? 
And we would see everybody come through the funnel down till the paywall, and then they would all peace out. So it's literally 3% of people that went through after that. 97 was like, this is dumb. And the attorneys on the other side of that were like, hey, I mean, I, I like, you know, the possibility of making 20 bucks or 30 bucks on, you know, this time that I'm spending and giving good legal advice. But also what I truly want is just the potential for a lifelong client, right? I want to work with this person yeah. for the long term. And if that's going to be the barrier to entry for me to have these chats with them, that's not incentive enough, right? So yeah. we literally switched that whole model halfway through Techstars to say <laughs> it's free for the users. And to be honest, that more aligns to our mission statement, which is to get people access to justice, right? Access to an attorney on demand, access to, uh, you know, if you don't have a Rolodex with an attorney in it, like this is an app you download and within 10 minutes you're talking to one, right? And so mm -hmm. on the attorney side, they will gladly pay us for a potential to have conversations with people that may turn into the paying clients down the road. And so it's just better aligned to that market dynamic. And we got it completely wrong at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very interesting, like I said, to, to meet, you know, someone that, that openly talks about like something like that, that humility in that process. Cause one of the things that I find in, in talking with, you know, law firms, like my firm, we provide accounting and CFO services for law firms. And one of the big challenges a lot of them face is, like, you know, like, how do I get in front of people who are looking for what I do? Um, because I, I often find, you know, there may be some some legal practices that are a little different, but uh, I often find it very similar to accounting to where people are looking for you after the problem happens. Um, and, and sometimes at that point, it's just like, they are just, they're just trying to solve the problem. So they will talk to the, the very first person who gives them a call back. They're like, that's yep. who I went with. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a great point. And, uh, yeah, that's all too real is, uh, the, uh, you know, what's that, uh, ounce of prevention, pound of cure kind of thing. Like if you get in front of that and you're able to have that relationship with them on the front end. They trust you. They can, you know, have that kind of baked in understanding versus calling the first random guy that may or may not be good at what they do. You know, so I hear you. It's one of those things like I, I remember like old school talking to like some business owners where like um, it was a business owner that I met and I forgot mm -hmm. their name, their last, their last name ended with like S or something like that. But like the name of their business was like, it started with an A because they were like, you got to be in the front of the phone book. <laughs> right, right. It's just like when people yeah. open the phone book, like they're probably yeah. never going to make it back to the S's. <laughs> 100%, 100%. So it's very interesting to see, like I said, the, the landscape of, you know, how lawyers can get in front of, you know, clients and then also yeah. making it accessible because, you know, you talked about your mission and, you know, I saw an article that was written about what you guys are doing of, you know, of, you know, really giving people access to justice. So what's some of the feedback that people have had about, you know, using the technology as you guys are moving towards that mission? Yeah, no, thanks, man. This is, I mean, literally our mission statement is to enable access to 1 million people in all 50 states by 50,000 attorneys by 2025. Like that's our core mission statement. That's our North Star. That's what we will do. 
And, you know, the cool thing about having it kind of baked into your mission statement with the numbers is you can actually walk back from that, right? You can say from your strategic mission, how many states do we have to be in? How many, you know, users do we have to grow by to actually get that level of access to justice? And uh, from the feedback we're getting, I mean, you know, just from um, like a troubleshooting standpoint, when I've been helping some people, like these stories are just heartbreaking, honestly, some of them, um, you know, everything from domestic abuse to, um, you know, just getting fired for being a black guy, like that was one of our situations. And honestly, like we want to give people that access to how to have that attorney to have your back for that next conversation, you know, and, and even if you don't ultimately go with them as, as your legal counsel, like it's still always empowering to have somebody to just talk you through the next steps, right? Like what should you be collecting um, as evidence against your abuser, right? Like what should you be doing to be safe? How do you keep your kids safe in that moment? Right. And like, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom either. Like it's everything from, you know, I want to cut down my neighbor's tree that's overhanging my yard, you know, like what are my <laughs> property rights to that? You know, like, what do I got to think about? So it's anything and, and everything that just is, and I'm sure you or you know, listeners have always had that idea where like, I, I, I have this legal question, but I just like, I don't want to take the time to go through finding somebody at Google, do this thing, call me my lawyer, whatever. This is that opportunity to just, you know, be in a better place with what those can resolve to be. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, I, I think that's a, a great thing because one of the things that I, I tell people a lot of times, like, you know, from, you know, from a, a, an accounting and finance and even from a legal, like you can probably Google and find an answer but you don't necessarily know if that's the actual right answer. You probably, if you're looking for some specific guidance for your specific situation, you probably should talk to someone and have dialogue about your specific situation. hundred percent. Yep. And I don't want to overpromise, you know, like the attorney mm-hmm. can't solve a six month litigation, you know, in a 15 minute phone call, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it, to, to your point, like with that context, with that, you know, them being in your jurisdiction, right. They're not some, uh, you know, random guy in California, if you're in Iowa, right? So like, it's somebody that's, you know, there to help you and they know the law of your state and can walk you through um, truly just that next steps of, of, of how to think about your situation better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So if people are interested in, you know, checking out the solution, checking out the business, where can they find you guys online? Yeah, thanks again. And uh, it's, it's uh, legalq.io, L-E-G-A-L-Q.io. Oh, beautiful. Love that. And uh, from there, you can uh, enter your info if you're a user looking for legal help uh, for a free consultation. If you're an attorney, you can uh, click that link in the top right for uh, basically walkthrough of, of how the process works on the attorney side. And we'd love to, uh, to have you be a part of LegalQ. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one of the questions that I always love asking, you know, every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think about, you know, the journey that you've been on and you think about what you're building and and, and the impact that you're making with your clients and in the market in general, you know, what's two pieces of wisdom that you would share with other entrepreneurs? And then it could be something you've already said that you want to reiterate, or it could be two new things. 
Uh, I love this question, Terrell. Thank you. Um, I think, so I'll re reiterate one and, and jump in with a new one. So the, I'm going to re reiterate um, the hard word. Uh, basically, <laughs> don't wait too long for getting your product out there. You know, get an MVP. You don't have to you don't have to be perfect at the start, right? Like get something out there in the hands of people that were, are you know, going to be your potential users, get that feedback, incorporate it back in. And then over time, that product is going to get better and better so much quicker than you having this kind of waterfall, old school, you know, way of approaching the development process, which, you know, is just wasteful, to be honest, you know, stick at to agile, be, be very um, user focused and just get something out there. Uh, the second thing I would say is, um, so this going back to my time at Medtronic, right? And this kind of uh, leads into the the your your background in the show itself, right? So one of the beautiful things about working at a big company before you do the startup route is you get access to some value chain things that you just truly don't see in a startup for five to ten years down the road, right? Like your your order to cash, your procure to pay. Um, just some of these, these really valuable insights as to, you know, how the operations of a business works through the finance, through the GL, through every, you know, different aspect of, of what that startup will need a little bit down the road. Because if you truly want to take it from, you know, that zero to one, that's great. But if you want to take it from one to, you know, X higher than that, like you're going to have to have some of those, those corporate chops to, uh, to coincide with that. And I think that was just really valuable for me to be a part of that journey. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, Zeb, thank you so much for being an amazing guest and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, Trell. This was awesome. a lot of fun and I really appreciate you. Thank you. You just checked out the Law and Finance Show, where we bring you great, insightful interviews that talk about the business and the financial side of managing a law firm. So subscribe to the show and check out more of the great